Do the Pelicans actually need to fix their offense, or is it doing okay as is? That, plus two other burning questions for the Pelicans over the final 23 games of the regular season. It's Locked On Pelicans. Let's go! You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Thursday, game day for the Pelicans, first game back after the All-Star break, taking on the Toronto Raptors, the start of the final 23 games of the regular season for New Orleans. So today, we're going to look at the three biggest questions around this team. Can they figure out their offense, or is it fine? Are we going to see the rotations get figured out by Willie Green? And finally, are we going to see the team healthy, and for how long, and how important is that? Because that one has some long-term implications in it. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, even this week with Mardi Gras, pre-recorded shows, so you had the insight you wanted into this Pelicans team. No one else coming to you like this. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And if you want to support the channel, comment down below on YouTube. That's the number one thing you can do. If you're a podcast listener, leave a five-star review with a comment wherever you get your podcasts from. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started so let's dive into this one the three biggest most burningest questions around the pelicans for their final 23 games and so this is going to be the first one i want to answer here can the pelicans figure out their offense is the offense also actually that bad and i could pose that it might not be as bad as y'all think so we're looking at kind of a a, a deep a moment of demarcation there's pre-Zion injury and post-Zion injury. Here's some stats that I want to dive into first. Offensive rating, points scored per 100 possessions to even it according to pace. Pre-Zion, they had the eighth best offense, an offensive rating of 114.8. Post-Zion injury, that drops to 22nd from eighth. 111.9 points scored per 100 possessions. When you look at it, that's less than three points per 100 possessions. It's not a huge number, but that will cost you games. So is it actually that bad or is this kind of closer than we realize? Is there a process problem, a kind of structure problem? And so I wanted to dive a little bit deeper, including rewatching most of the games here after the Zion injury, which included that 10 game losing streak. Were there assist numbers down? Was it more isolation heavy when we've seen Brandon Ingram out there? He's taking a lot of tough shots. Is that what they're doing or is the ball moving? Is the ball popping? Is it that 0.5 offense that Willie Green wants to run? And when you get into some of the numbers, it kind of is. Pre-Zion injury, the team was averaging 303, uh, 304 passes per game. That's fourth best in the league. After the Zion injury, they're still passing the ball a lot. They're seventh best, 292 or 294 passes per game. That's under 10, under 10 over the course of 48 minutes. Their assist numbers have dropped, though, when you look at that here. They were eighth in assists when Zion was healthy at 26.4. 
They're now 20th right now. It's 24.7 after the Zion injury in the run we've seen basically all of 2023. Uh, it's about, it's under two assists, an assist and a half per game essentially is what that comes to is the only difference there. Those numbers seem to say the ball is still moving. You know, there you could dive a little bit deeper on that. Before the Zion injury, 47.4 potential assists that would lead to 68.8 assist points created per game. They have the numbers on all of this. It's NBA.com slash stats. In the time since Zion's been injured, it is 45.8 potential assists. That's very similar here to their number pre-Zion injury, and 63.2 points per game created in potential assists. That also included a Trey Murphy like slump that he went in. But it's a difference of about five and a half points in created assists. That's a good bit, I think, but it's not anything that necessarily screams like process problem. Maybe it's just guys more missing some shots. So when you look at some of these numbers here, is this just kind of like a Zion thing? Is this the offense is broken or is this you're just kind of missing Zion and you add him back in and everything's fine and the numbers all look good and maybe people wouldn't care as much? And I think a lot of the data and even watching it just kind of bears that out. You know, one of the other things I wanted to really look at was to compare the stats from the team with Zion on the court and Brandon Ingram off the court and then the vice versa of that, of Brandon Ingram on the court and Zion Williamson off the court. And the numbers are just flat out better when Zion is on the court without B.I. than when B.I. is on the court without Zion. Not by a huge margin, but they shoot better, they score more points. Zion just has more crap, more court gravity. And so when you're missing him, it's just going to hurt. So what's the answer to that? Is it more Jonas Valanciunas? I think it certainly could be. Did a show the other day, uh, this week I think it was, if they're using Valanciunas properly. Is it you need more off-ball movement? Do you just need that in general? I think there are downsides to that, and we'll look at that probably next week at some point. You know, but when you also look at it, again, in an even smaller sample size, and over the past six games, there's actually a lot of room for hope. Since B.I. got it going in that win on Crudevu night over the Lakers, he has elevated this team. Since that win over the Lakers, the Pelicans are 4-2. in two going into the All-Star break, and they had the 11th best offense during that time. That's not the 22nd worst. If you remove that 10-game sample of no BI, or sorry, not no, it wasn't a 10-game sample of no BI, but if you remove that 10-game losing streak when BI was clearly not himself, right, and he started to look like himself again in the second half of that Mavs loss where they almost came back and won it, and then really got it going in that game against the Lakers where he averaged five straight games over 25 points, I think it's fine. It's not amazing that this team with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and no Zion Williamson is still a good team. They're not a championship contending team, but they're a playoff team. They have the 11th best offense from when BI got it going again. You can make the argument that maybe you shouldn't rely so heavily on kind of isolation ball or so heavily on your two main guys in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and kind of being so centric with that and kind of relying on them to create and attack the basket and then kicking out the ball and hoping for an open three or something along those lines. But so many teams do stuff like that in the NBA. Like, I don't think it's necessarily the wrong thing. So the numbers say they're they're moving the ball fine. The, the assist numbers are still fine during this time. I think it's just a combination of Zion's really good. 
you know, there's a more court gravity for him than there is Brandon Ingram. He's harder to defend than Brandon Ingram is, I think. And he's going to elevate your team when he's out there, as opposed to Brandon Ingram, who's not far behind him even, you know, in all of those numbers. And as I said, reason for hope. Four and two in the 11th best offense in their past six games. I think things are okay. Sometimes you just run into bad matchups or have bad nights, and you don't want to overreact to one loss to the Lakers, which sucked, going into the All-Star break. Let me know what you think, though, in the comments down below. Do these numbers change your mind? Do you think the offense is bad? Do you think the offense is good? Do you think the offense is just fine and you just got to wait for Zion Williamson back? Or do they need to reinvent it entirely? And we'll look at off-ball movement, because if you throw more of that in there, I do think that can actually create a problem for your offense, and we'll talk about that in a show hopefully next week. Or just use Jonas Valanciunas more. Coming up next, rotations and health. Let's look at that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. We're at like two-thirds of the way through the NBA season, and now it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the SportsDuel, uh, the SportsDuel, FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use, and then you can bet on every Everything from the money line to points scored to threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance at a payout with the same game parlay. You want to take the Pelicans to win. The Pelicans minus the four and a half on the spread. Plus, Brandon Ingram to score 25 plus points and CJ McCollum to have five or more assists. You can do that for a bigger payout. Turn $5 into $80, something along those lines. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner partner of the NBA. And thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday. No one else is coming to you completely free like this with 25 minutes or so of Pelicans talk you want to hear on the topics you want to hear and giving you the insight you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And if you want to support the channel, tell a friend about the show. This is going to be a fun close to the Pelican season. You want them clued in and not asking you dumb things. Get a little bit of knowledge here over at Locked On Pelicans. Get them clued into the show and comment down below on YouTube. So we're looking at the three kind of biggest questions around the Pelicans, the three questions we need answers to going into the postseason if they want to make some noise here. We just looked at the offense. Segment two here, this one. I just have one note. I don't even have any notes after that. I always kind of plan my segments out on a little like pad of paper or something. It's like segment one, this, and then sometimes there's a ton of notes. This one is segment two. And it just says, will Willie green figure out the rotations? Like I I could, I could end the segment here. If you've been watching this team for an extended period of time, you understand some of the frustration that we've seen with Willie green when it comes to something like this. And it's interesting because I answered a question about Jackson Hayes, Earlier in the week when I was answering your questions on the show and someone said, you know, kind of what's going on there? And we said, right, he gets a chance. He struggles. He gets benched. He comes back and puts it all together. And you're like, oh, he figured things out. He's learned. And then next season when he starts, he fell into some of the same habits that he did before. And it's not wonderful to see. Look, Willie Green's fallen into that same habit a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Do you remember the frustration we had with Garrett Temple getting extended minutes at the beginning part of last season, Willie Green as a rookie head coach? And then that went away. 
And then in the playing tournament, there were some awful, 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 awful Tony Snell minutes against the Los Angeles Clippers that almost lost this team the game. If you were at the, uh, the Pels 12 watch party anywhere near me, you saw me like literally melting down and losing my mind. And we thought he'd maybe outgrown this. The rotate, the playoff rotation was good. You know, maybe he'd learned and kind of improved and grown as a head coach. Head coaches grow like players do too. And then this season, it's kind of more of the same, just with different players like it was last year. Too many minutes probably for Devontae Graham for a guy who just wasn't really giving you anything offensively. I actually do think Devontae Graham was really good defensively this year. Like, borderline, maybe not really good, but good defensively this year. But he wasn't giving you anything offensively. You know, some of the younger guys get pulled a little bit quicker if they make one mistake. And look, it's usually on defense versus offense is what's going to get you pulled. So maybe that had to do with Devontae Graham getting minutes. But it was just an over-reliance on some of these aging veterans. Look at Josh Richardson coming in and playing significant minutes, and deservedly so, based on his performance in that first game. Okay. Okay. But maybe you need to be having more of a role for a guy like Trey Murphy and the three-point shooting that he brings to the team. Sometimes running that small backcourt of Jose Alvarado and Devontae Graham like never worked, and you wouldn't necessarily get all the offense out there. I think you really need to start to pare down the rotation. This is going to tie into the next segment, too. This team is close to being healthy, like really healthy, other than one person. If they stay healthy... There needs to be kind of the right rotation decided upon. Garrett Temple won't be in that. That's a good start. But is it Josh Richardson? Is it Kyra Lewis Jr.? What does that look like? Because that's going to be really important for you. It needs to be the right guys. If you're not going to make big changes to the offense, who are you playing in how many minutes? Could you tell me so that we kind of know what to expect? And if you're not going to change the offense, are you playing a guy that gets downhill and puts pressure on the rim like Kyra Lewis Jr. does? Or is it going to be a game-to-game thing? That needs, I think, to get figured out to stop kind of repeating some of the same mistakes that this team has been making for an extended period of time now that gets frustrating. 23 games to go. This team has played, what is it, 59 games at this point? Some of these things should have been set. Some of it has to do with the injuries. Dyson Daniels in and out of the you know lineup with some injuries. Larry Nance Jr. playing or not playing. Zion in, Zion out. Brandon Ingram out for an extended period of time. But with this team about to be pretty healthy other than Zion, and Dyson Daniels and Larry Nance Jr. are both probable for this game against the Toronto Raptors, Like it's time to kind of figure it out. You want to play some of these guys? You need to change the offense up a little bit to kind of involve them more or to make life easier for them. And don't ask them or expect them to do things that they shouldn't be doing. You want to kind of keep the same type of offense. And maybe it is a guy like Kyra a little bit more. You want to have a little bit more motion in there. Use the guy like Josh Richardson instead of Kyra Lewis Jr. If you have more off-ball movement, it's creating easier looks. Maybe that means that you can play Dyson Daniels more since he doesn't really give you much offensively. But the defense is already NBA ready. Those are the type of decisions that Willie Green's going to need to figure out. If you want to play Dyson Daniels and throw him out there with Herb Jones at the same time, you're going to need to figure out a way to score points. Maybe that's just rely on B.I. It's worked the past six games or so. I don't know if I trust that fully because there's still periods of stagnation with the offense. 
But you got to do something. You can't just roll out a completely like defensive first lineup and be like, why are we not scoring points here? Or be okay with not scoring points, even if you know that that was what was going to happen. Those are the type of things that need to be changed and fixed and kind of solidified for this push for the final 23 games of the regular season. You're you're three games out, two games out from being in the 11th spot. You're also two games out from being the fourth seed. That is you know, almost a terrifying position. You'd be so good or so bad. They're going to still be fine. They're going to be in the postseason. But go get that fourth seed. Don't get into the play-in tournament. Do it another way. And hopefully some work was done, some homework was done during the All-Star break to be ready for this final push with a situation like this. And then coming up, health. Are they going to be healthy? How much of this team do you need to see when they're healthy? That might be the bigger question. That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know. It's really like Sunday through Thursday, but you get a show on Friday if you don't listen. So it's there. We're here five days a week, completely free. You don't need to pay. We don't ask for money. There's no Patreon or anything like that. Just tune in for Pelican Stock Monday through Friday like no one else is. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show and leave a five-star review with a comment and comment down below on YouTube. So final burning question that I have for this Pelicans team over these final 23 games of the regular season. The first two, the team can really control. They can control what they do on offense. Reinvent the process or kind of trust what you have. I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way to do it, but you go through some slumps, so do at least a little tweaking here. Secondly, you you pick the rotations and play the right guys. It should be as simple as that. Third is the one that's kind of loomed over the team all season long. Health. Are we going to see this team healthy? And how long do we need to see them fully healthy for? As I just mentioned in the last segment, They're basically going to be fully healthy except for Zion Williamson. That's a good spot to be in. But when you get Zion Williamson back, and let's say optimistically, which we probably know it's not going to go, you get him back for the final two weeks of the regular season, 10 10 games or so. Maybe he misses the next 13 games, and then you get him back for the final 10. You know, two weeks of him and then a playoff series, let's say. Is that enough for you to kind of make a determination on the team? I'm asking this to you, listeners, and rhetorically to the front office, David Griffin. Is that enough? If they lose in the first round of the playoffs, and let's let's kind of blame it on the injuries, right? They couldn't all get on the same page. They had two weeks. They were playing good enough, but their seeding was poor because of the injuries. Say they get in as the eighth seed and they got to play the Denver Nuggets. I actually think Denver's a really good matchup for New Orleans. So this is maybe not like the best analogy, but let's say they go up against a, a terrible matchup in the first round because of the injuries, you know, hurting their seeding. And they lose in the first round. And it's six games, which is respectable, but six games can be close or not close. Somewhere in the middle between those. Is that enough to decide to go all in next year? Is that enough to feel good paying the luxury tax and really maybe trying to make a bigger move this offseason or going into the luxury tax to just get a dude you need that elevates you? I've talked extensively, like the only person doing this, all trade deadline, breaking down the salary cap for y'all and kind of what they did at the trade deadline, which is part salary dump, part getting Josh Richardson, you know, 
kind of bore that out that they were worried about that. Well, if they do just enough, how much in the postseason makes them go, okay, we can win a title compared with, you know, when you combine it with what you saw earlier on in the season? Or what if, you know, over the final 10 games, they go five and five with Zion back, look just like blah, because they're trying to integrate Zion back into all of this. And he's not fully there yet. You know, maybe he's on a minutes restriction to start some of those games. You know, what point do you say you have enough data to be like, we're going to do it? Or are you stuck a little bit? That's, I think, the bigger thing than this team just getting healthy is for how long and how do they look during that period of time. Just simply getting healthy and will we see Zion versus won't we see Zion again is important. But how much do you need to see and what do you need to see from them? If Zion plays the final 10 games of the regular season, they go 5-5, five and five, but you win a playoff series, maybe it's against the Denver Nuggets, right? You get in at 8 and you upset the Denver Nuggets, the one seed in the first round of the playoffs. I think Denver's a real good matchup for the Pelicans, potentially. I think that's a series they can actually win. They've played them tough in every game so far, pretty much. I think that's a team they could beat. If they do that, is that a favorable matchup? And then you lose the next round. Is that favorable matchup or this team's good how do you kind of determine that is really going to determine like the next year for this franchise and what they do in the offseason they will have roster spots they'll have a mid-level exception to use they need to sign a first round pick you know they're six million under the luxury tax as of now with Jackson Hayes expiring you know could you sign and trade him in a way and maybe get something probably not that much um, if anything But would you be willing to do that? And how deep are you willing to go into the luxury tax? Because it'd be very easy to get like $15, $20 million in there if you really wanted to. It's a big question about this team and how competitive they could be next year and if they think they could be true title contenders. I think it's possible. I think it's truly possible this team, when healthy, has looked that good, I think. But you need to kind of shore up those little things. Fix the rotations. A little bit of tweaking of the offense, I think, would be good. I don't think it needs a complete overhaul, especially when you know the numbers kind of bear that out and how close they are. I think this is a team that can be really good, but it might be just determined by health. So will we see them healthy for how long, and what are they going to look like? How good or bad will they look like? What's your biggest question about the Pelicans going forward? Is it about the offense, the rotations, the health? Do you have another one potentially out there as well? Let me know in the comments down below. Make it turned into a show like a number of your questions have been doing. Thank you all for making my life easier. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And we'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game.